When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Yeah, you know, I think it's a good group. Um, you know, I don't know that anyone's really kind of separated themselves. They're all, they're all pretty decent. They've all... Um, you know, obesity looks good at, at times. Dylan looks good at times. Um, you know, those guys kind of show out a little bit. But, um, you know, I think as we continue to go f- forward and, you know, they're all making a little rookie mistakes right now. But, but as we go forward, I think someone will separate themselves here. That was Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer, Matthew Collar here, ESPN's Courtney Cronin. It is Purple Daily. We were out at TCO Performance Center for OTAs, the final one that we have access to. And then next week is three days of minicamp. We were off-seasoning pretty hard today, wouldn't you say, Courtney? A little bit, but today kind of felt like training camp. I had my fanny pack out because oh, yeah, of the, 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 the weather. Mm-hmm. The weather determines if the fanny pack's coming out because I have things I need to bring with me, like water, sunscreen, yeah, gum. Sunscreen's and important I today. I don't have a jacket if it's hot out. I mean, today felt like summer, and that was kind of nice because it means that we're one step closer to training camp. Are you just not a purse user? I'm not going to carry a purse out there. You need fanny packs are there's a reason that athletic trainers wear them because you can flip them around, you can access them very quickly. Are, are you saying that it's like wrong to have a purse when you go out there in your position like you don't want to be wearing one or what? It's uncomfortable. I mean a fanny pack is almost no different than a purse. It's just around it your around your waist, waist more convenient. I'm all about convenience when I'm out there because I'm, you know, I'm locked in the yeah, entire you time. In. You know, I'm I'm those red zone periods, I don't know about you standing, you know, 20 yards away, <laughs> I'm locked in. I was shooting a uh, score north video for our Twitter, okay? I I, mean, I had things to do. Um, <laughs> so out there today Stefan Diggs, not there. Let's just begin with that, sure. and then we can get into, like Mike Zimmer was talking about, the third wide receiver battle, which is something that, like you said, in training camp, we're going to be watching really, really closely for. But Stefan Diggs being away, I don't see as something to make anything out of yet, but next week we'll find out if it is something it, or not. Exactly, because this is voluntary. Whenever I tweet about this or write about this, I always make sure to put the line in that it is voluntary because sometimes these things get completely overblown with you know Odell Beckham missing all of, I think, the, the Browns' OTAs. Yep. It, it's just precarious, and I get why people 
are a little, you know, hesitant when, when it, even though it is voluntary, because it's like you're learning a new offense, you are with a brand new team. And this is obviously, I'm talking in Beckham's case. Um, shouldn't you be there? Shouldn't you be around your team? But I mean, in Stefan Diggs' case, he's working out. He posts a ton of videos of himself working out back in the DC area, which is what he told us last week. Um, he has been in and around the program. Um, and around the facility, just not there today for the first OTA of the week. Um, does it matter right now? No. But mandatory minicamp, you miss that next week, you get fined. Um, and he has a $100,000 uh, uh, workout bonus in, built into his contract, as most guys do. So will he get all of that? I'm not exactly sure. I don't know how much of that would factor in the voluntary part. I don't wouldn't believe it would, but... Regardless, voluntary is voluntary. It's nothing that raises red flags too much just yet. But, you know, next week we will truly know uh, for sure. I want to put it under the category of things that make you go, huh. Okay, so he's not here and he's been here intermittently, but not always for the days that we're there. Now, if you have things going on in your life, like Kyle Rudolph playing in that golf tournament for the Walter Payton Man of the Year event, that's a thing going on in your life. And, and I guess Drew Brees missed an OTA today down in New Orleans, which was Tom good Brady for, doesn't show up for them either. Yeah, I think so I that, think he, get, really he gets he gets like credence just because he's Tom Brady, which still, I don't think is exactly fair. The best player, but yes. one of the best players of all time is like, nah, I don't need to show up for OTAs. I mean, so I mean, it does kind of tell you about the overall value of it. If you're a veteran player and you've been around for a long time, the only thing that you wonder about is, all right, if it's one week and you miss one. Then you say, oh, all right, well, that's okay. No big deal. Maybe he had something going on. But now we're on the third week, and he's missed days each time. That's where you, I guess, would want to ask, so what happened there? And when we did ask him, he said that he had something going on with a house. Yeah. And that, like You know adult how adults things. are. Yeah. Adult, yeah. I don't right. actually know what that's like, but okay. Nope, you're an apartment person you know, at the moment. So I believe they like to call us apartment dwellers. Yeah, maybe someday. Maybe someday <laughs> you'll get a house. The housing market right now, pretty brutal in uh, the Twin Cities. And maybe that is what he's dealing with, or, or maybe he just wants to spend more time with family, mm-hmm. and it's voluntary, so no big deal. It's not like we think Stefan Diggs isn't going to put in the work, or you have to be concerned about him, or anything like that. I mean, this is a guy who went from a fifth-round pick to a superstar in the NFL, in part because of his work ethic and his smarts. You're, yeah. you're not thinking, okay, he's going to get fall, fall behind and there's going to be trouble. But you would like a better answer when he's always shown up for these things rather than, I've got adult things to do. Yeah, I mean, he's come every other year. And this is a new offense, by and large. I mean, we asked him about... Gary Kubiak last week and just some some of the things that he took from last year into this year. He's on his fourth offensive coordinator since he got here in 2015. He's been through the drill of new, 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 new every single offseason he's been here. Um, Sounds like he's just, you know, kind of maybe over it a little bit. That's kind of what I took away that, you know, I'm used to this. Like, it's not like me missing OTAs. It's going to be a big setback for me because I've done this before. I know how to pick up an offense. I know how to, you know, go through the install when it really matters. But I don't know. I sometimes wish that OTAs were not voluntary so we wouldn't even have this type of speculation because every Mm -hmm. year it comes up and every year we're talking about, oh, 
so-and-so wants a new contract. They must not be at OTAs. Uh, that must be why they're not at OTAs. I mean, the Malcolm Jenkins thing that's happening uh, in Philadelphia right now. Uh, early, I believe I haven't, I'm not updated on it if he's returned back this week. I haven't but, seen that he has. Um, you know, that was that's a hot topic. And, you know, Diggs got his contract last year and was present the entire time uh, going into training camp. But it does... It interests me because I remember last year it was such a it almost felt like a really big deal. Maybe we made it a bigger deal um, than it was when Anthony Barr missed a voluntary workout uh, to go take an insurance policy out on himself. And and maybe that just kind of foreshadowed they were not going to be able to sign him and they were not. The contract talks were really not at a good place at that point. Maybe that's why um, that became more of a story than it probably should have been because. He was in the same boat. It was voluntary. And we're always just skeptical of these things because of how rarely they tell us the whole truth. Sure. So that's kind of the game that we have to play. I think you have a right to be, too, just given the way that the things ended last season. And, um, you know, you're you're in year two with another quarter, with the same quarterback. And it's only the second time in your NFL career you've had that sort of stability. Um, You'd think that you'd want as much time with the person, with the group, with your entire offense as possible, but you also factor in guys have lives. I mean, you and I allegedly have lives outside of our jobs. Um, These guys do too. And that's the reason that most of them that don't live that, you know, reside elsewhere and aren't, don't have roots here. I mean, they do their three days OTAs and then they're out, they go somewhere else. Um, Stefan Diggs. I mean, he, he was here last week and the week before, I think he went to the third OTA. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a talking point. It's the dead part of the off season, but talks really do ramp up if he does not show up next week for mandatory minicamp. So on the afternoon show, they love to do reckless speculation. I do remember that segment. How reckless can we get with this? How reckless oh, do you God. want to be? Let's be super reckless, but also acknowledge we're purposefully being yeah. reckless. This is we're- all like under the umbrella of a joke so, essentially. So one, but one thing that I've learned from Judd Zolgad is to when something seems to make you go hmm you should be a little reckless and <laughs> speculate about it because he's ends up being right a lot of times where you'll see on Twitter well what is Zolgad talking about but he covered the team for a long time and he knows that there's where there's always, smoke there's, yeah, there's even right. when there's like a little puff so sometimes there's fire. Let's take this little puff of smoke and be reckless with it. Could Stefan Diggs be unhappy as a Minnesota Viking? Do you think that that's possible? I think it is. I think it's always possible. Um, you know, that's if we want to just kind of look at the entire picture here, but what would he be unhappy about? Would he be unhappy about his quarterback? Uh, would he be unhappy about the way things ended last season, just in terms of how his production dipped? Is he unhappy that, he wants to be the number one guy. He wants to be the man here and might not be very happy that Adam Thielen's salary matches or is very close to what he's making. I don't know. I mean, that those are all things you could speculate about. Does he want to get traded? I mean, let's not forget on St. Patrick's Day, I'm trying to enjoy an adult beverage or a couple <laughs> over at Kieran's and I see Marshawn, I believe it was Marshawn Diggs. I don't want to get the wrong brother involved here. I think so. Um, it was his brother. It, it was, was his a brother. brother. So I believe it was, yeah, it was, it was obviously they're both younger. So one of the two younger brothers tweeted the photoshopped thing of Stefan in the, in the Redskins uniform. And that was kind of, I mean, that was kind of taken aback. I remember Adam Schefter had actually squashed that right then and there. Yeah. Um, it was 
I can't repeat it on air, but uh, I remember the tweet that he said he text he was texting with a Viking source that said, "F no, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. N- nothing to be yeah. worried about." Yeah. Um, but it does make you wonder when things like this happen, even though it's voluntary. Just to reiterate, um, why did that have to happen? Was that, what, what kind of nobody just does that out for a joke? That's not like. You know, yeah, it is his hometown team, things like that. But, sweetheart, you got a big deal. Like, you got a big contract last year, and all of a sudden, your brother's putting that stuff out. I mean, that didn't sit well with me, but it went away very quickly. But when you have things like that Mm -hmm. now, that stuff gets brought back into it. Yes, I agree. If we're playing the do any bells go off, not the church bells all over the countryside, but just the little ding of now wait a minute so following that getting tweeted out or instagrammed yeah. out by his brother is followed by him missing OTAs and staying back home in DC you go hmm okay well is there a connection there and if we were going to play this out and recklessly speculate and acknowledging that there isn't anything to indicate this other than him just being away from OTAs i could see stefan diggs looking at the current situation and saying well, my talent level, and he also tweets out weird things too, but I, I've gotten kind of used to that. I, I don't really look into those. You're not a big subtweeter? <laughs> I would love to see you start subtweeting. It's clear. but Only he, God can judge he me. Just That's probably about out, the yeah, level that you would get God's to. God's plan, yeah. He just <laughs> he tweets out like three or four words, and we've known Stefan long enough um, to know that I mean, he's Mike always Mike Zimmer's called this. him a diva. Yeah. Like, he's, I mean, that's... That's the type of stuff I think you're referring to there. But and, if we wanted to climb inside of his head, though, and see what was really there about his feeling with the Vikings in his current situation, he might feel like he is as good as someone like Antonio Brown, that he is a top five wide receiver in the NFL. And he's always having to be talked about as Thielen and Diggs, Thielen and Diggs, Thielen and Diggs. And Thielen has gotten the Pro Bowls. Thielen has gotten a little more of the attention and then the same amount of money. And those two are close. That's real. They push each other. They help each other. They care about each other. That's obvious when you're around them. But the Kyrie Irving thing came to my mind with Irving saying, you know what? I don't want to be in another guy's shadow when I think I'm that level of superstar player. And Anybody who watches tape of those guys or does the breakdowns of the route running or the roles that they have will tell you that Stephon Diggs is one of the top route running wide receivers in the NFL, one of the top contested catch receivers in the NFL. And he might have one of those. You think about his age, too. He might have one of those mega contracts the next time it comes around if he was the number one receiver on a team as opposed to one B. Well, Maybe he is. I mean, in my opinion, I think I've stated this before. I think he is the better of the two. If you're looking at them side by side, I mean, together they're great. But if you're if you have to pick one, you're picking Stephon Diggs. You can play him anywhere. Um, as you mentioned, incredible route running, just the natural athleticism, and just the things he can do that you know aren't, he can't teach. But he can't play. He hasn't played a 16 game season. That's a problem. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's something in there with an injury that he's, you know, nursing. I don't know if we're talking, if we're talking regular reckless speculation, maybe it's something like that too. Um, but in terms of him wanting to stand out and be the Julio Jones of his team to be the, uh, you know, Deandre Hopkins of his team, I guess I could see that. I just don't know either though. Like, you know, you, 
you you were made into who you are because of who was complimenting you. Like we can't we can't just take Adam Thiel out of this equation um, completely. I, I don't think that's fair. But I I do think that if Stefan Diggs is the number one wide receiver on another team, he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL based on just the things that he does well and what succeeds in the league. That there have been people, not me who have compared him to Antonio Brown. And there was a piece by your colleague, Mike Sando, where he interviewed different executives. And I forget what exactly the topic is, but he always does those Mm -hmm. pieces. And in one of them, he was quoting, I think, either a scout or another executive who said that Stephon Diggs does a lot of the same things as Antonio Brown does, but he just doesn't get the credit because of who he's playing with. Now, Diggs last year, though, has... An amazing year, a great season, but also had to be kind of the throw it quick to the guy, you know, I mean, the the quick passes and things like this. And, you know, he's a thousand yard wide receiver for the first time last year. And maybe he looks at it as, you know, my numbers could have been a lot better if we were talking about me being that guy who's up at the top of the league, me being the Odell Beckham level talent. Now, can't, can't, but I'm going to interrupt you here. Can you stay healthy to do that? You have to, if you want to do 15 last year. Yes. But I remember a lot of times when Thiel, he's been battling one, an injury every year. Yeah. It's been the groin injury. It's been the hamstring. I mean, there's been times where it's hindered him in games. I mean, that's, I think that that's just something you have to consider if you want to put him into that category. I know that he always gets the Jarvis Landry comparison. And I think that's fair because Look at what Landry did last year with with Cleveland, leading the team in receptions and yards, the whole nine yards. Um, but who else did he have around him? I mean, yep. I, I, that that's I, the type of thing that, that I struggle with when we're looking at this entire entire equation. And I and I think he's much better than Jarvis Landry. He's he. This is the thing: is he he would be justified in feeling like if you know that Diggs watches a lot of tape, he talks about it sometimes that. He looks at these other wide receivers who get bigger contracts or more attention and Pro Bowls and things like that and says, I'm better than a lot of those guys. But I think, you know, he's been sort of in the shadow of Thielen. And Thielen, even though Diggs has an equally awesome story, Thielen's got the Minnesota thing going for him. And and then, you know, the big contract now, too. It makes you wonder if they're going to be able to pay both of these receivers long term. So I, if I'm going down the road of recklessly speculating and asking, OK, would there be any reason in this world for Stefan Diggs to be not thrilled with the Minnesota Vikings to want to not show up to send some sort of message? That's what I'm coming up with. I don't think that that's the case. There's just enough there to at least have a conversation about what we think is kind of the deal with Diggs here. Yeah, and again, I mean, next week will be very telling because guys don't want to be fined for not coming to minicamp. Right, yes, very much. It's three days. It's important. I mean, it's your last chance to get your reps in to to get, you know, a better grasp of things that you don't understand because you go five weeks without seeing these coaches and, you know, most of these guys are not going to be getting together for side-throwing sessions. Everybody has their own life. That was another thing, too. Diggs did not get together this time. With the one that Rudolph... With Cousins, Was yeah. it the one Rudolph put on? It was like BB, Rudolph, Treadwell was in there. Thielen was there, too. Thielen. Yep. Um, yeah. Can we look? I mean, are we going to go down that rabbit hole, too? I mean, we can. I mean, Mac Brown was at the June. first one. Yeah. Like, in, man. man. He had a chance. Mac Brown had a chance. And huh. the injuries. 
As I said. Uh, all right. If you want to give us a phone call, 651-646-8255. Stefan Diggs, future as a Minnesota Viking. Um, we're going to have a little bit of the conversation just because he has not been here at OTAs. And I do think he's capable of doing even more than he did. But there's only so many passes to go around. And in this offense... When you hear your head coach talk about how he wants to run all the time, That's, if you think that you're as good as Antonio Brown and you've got a legit case for that, that is not what you want to hear. No, and I actually had to answer a fantasy question about this this morning with uh, Mike Clay sends one out to all 32 of us. I think it goes out tomorrow. Um, it's you know Should we be concerned about Adam Thielen's dip in production with Kevin Stefanski as the offensive coordinator for the last three games? And I say yes. Just because the target share is going to be so, it's going to be spread differently this year. Like I, I'm including Kyle Rudolph in this just for the sake of the argument. But if you have a head coach saying let's run the ball more, and then you've got Kyle Rudolph, you've got Irv Smith, the tight ends over here, and then you got Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, and whoever your other number three receiver, if you even need one, if it's not one of the other tight ends, I mean, his target share is going to dip. The ball can't. There's one ball. And, 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 and they're going to give it to Delvin Cook a lot. And they are. Feeling. And, yeah. you know, maybe they even might throw it to him like they said they were going to last year and they never did. A little um, bit of that in camp today. Yeah, but that's, I mean, if we're going down the path of rec- reckless speculation, maybe it's that. 651-646-8255. Any other Vikings-related questions? Courtney Cronin from ESPN in here every Tuesday and Thursday in the off season from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Now, another thing that we can recklessly speculate the Patriots made a move that they is sure did. intriguing for the next week because there's got to be a deadline coming up on a particular Viking tight end. We will discuss when we return. You are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Um, yeah, Garrett has done a nice job. Um, you know, he's a very uh, athletic guy that is really, really can bend. He's got good power. He's very competitive. Um, he's still staying out there working, I see right now. But um, he's done a good job. You know, we're giving him a lot of different looks defensively and uh, so I think that's good for him. You know, I, there's times when we can get him confused a little bit, but uh, he's he's very, very, very bright and doing a good job. That is Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer there talking about Garrett Bradbury, rookie center, who has played nothing but center, Courtney. He's nope. only been at center. We haven't it's seen him It's the move only position battle that we know is essentially decided. Yeah, that that, I, yeah, that one, I think, there. is uh, you can take that one to the bank. He yeah. is built like a center. He's more effective at the position than Pat Elfline was. I think he's, more, I mean, certainly more athletic than Pat Elfline. When you he's take a better a, prospect than Elfline was. Yeah, and I mean, I think for just like the zone fit is specifically, that's um, mm-hmm. why he's, I mean, he ran an outside zone scheme at North Carolina State for you know several years, so at the center position. So I think... 
It's a nice one that we know at least one position battle is decided, and and pretty much it feels like the rest of the line is set. I don't know if we're going to have as much of a rotating door at the guard positions as we did last year during camp. So I teased before the break that the Patriots made a move. Another thing that makes us go, hmm, what is going on here? The Patriots have released tight end Austin Safarian Jenkins. You remember he was a top draft pick uh, years ago and hasn't really ever panned out. They signed him for a one-year $895,000 deal in April, and he is already out. Creating space in the tight end room of the New England Patriots. An immediate need in the tight end room, considering Ben Watson, the guy that they signed from the Saints this offseason, is facing a four-game suspension for, I believe, is the performance-enhancing substance policy, uh, violating that policy. Um, I know a tight end that's currently uh, has a contract situation mm. that's a little up in the air. Uh, Someone we still on have, a potential trade market, you mean? Yeah, I would maybe put him on the block. Would you call? It, would you put him on the trading block? Would you say it's time? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'd um, say he's been there for <laughs> quite some time. He's been there since probably yes. about March. But um, yeah, that's. Uh, I remember seeing that earlier this afternoon, and that definitely made me go hmm. Thinking uh-huh. about it. Bells go off. Oh. Chimes. Chimes. Chime, more chimes went off about this. I'll just be honest. More chimes went off in my head about this and the Stefan Diggs thing. But reckless, uh, reckless speculation was fun. Well, let's recklessly speculate then about um, this here. Sure. Um, do we think that there is resolution by next week when it is mandatory to be there that Kyle Rudolph will send a message or draw a line in the sand, or is he going to play this out through the offseason camps? Because he's been here at OTAs outside of the one day where he had the other obligation. Is he going to play this out, or is this an opportunity for him to say, guys, we need a solution to this now? Well, he did tell us, I believe it was the first OTA, that he did not anticipate this going to training camp being dragged out throughout the summer. He wants to know where he wants to be, where he's going to play. The Vikings want to know that they can have some cap space to roll over into 2019 and also have some cushion for this year. It's not like either side wants to drag this out. I mean, I'm sure if the Vikings could get a better trade, like, you know, the the best value for whoever their trade partner potentially could be, sure, they could wait it out a little bit longer, but... If you're if you're saying, do you think Kyle's going to put his foot down and be like, let's get it done now, or I'm not coming? No, I, I mean he's he's put this message out. I do not think he will stray course uh, at all from from the way that he's handled it, and he will continue to come to the next three days of uh, mini camp when we start that next Tuesday. But this is a window for them to go ahead and finally execute the trade uh, sh- should they want to do that and, and get the compensation that they want for it and get the cap space that they so desperately need. The trade or the new contract. Or the new contract, yes, of course. I mean, that's still, we don't know where that stands currently as of now because that was, goodness, was that two weeks ago? Two and a half weeks, two and a half weeks ago about um, when, he was, when we asked him about the five the five-year extension, whether it really is a five-year extension or not, moot point. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's he said that that was in the works. That's what yep. his agent was talking about with Vikings. So let's see if that actually pans out. But that's been kind of quiet. So I'm going to give you some tight end contracts. And okay. I, I want you to tell me if you'd be okay with any of these going to Kyle Rudolph. And here's the craziest thing about tight end. Tells you how hard it is to find a good one. Three, four, five. He is right now the sixth. Seventh, seventh or sixth? 
one, two, three, four, five. He is the sixth highest paid unless uh, this is only by total guarantees. All right. From his last contract, total guarantees. Average by year, he might be a little farther down. So we could go average by year. So that's three, six, seven, eight. So he's ninth in terms of average by year. It's 7.3 million. Now this year, his uh, cap number is 7.6. Here's the tight ends who are ahead of him in that category. Just um, dollars per year. Jimmy Graham, Travis Kelsey, Jordan Reed, Greg Olson, Delaney Walker, Zach Ertz, Trey Burton, and Jared Cook. Those are the guys making more than him. Now, Jimmy Graham signed a three-year deal worth a total of $30 million, but there was only $11 million guaranteed. You kind of have to throw that one out a little bit. But Travis Kelsey's deal had $20 million guaranteed. He's 30 years old, $20 million guaranteed, $46 total million, $9.3 per year. If the Vikings signed Kyle Rudolph to a contract that included somewhere in the range of $20 million guaranteed and paid him a little bit you know, more than that, obviously, 30 over... five. It means five years, so... So let's say it's even 40 over five years. Okay. That would make sense, right? So that's eight per year. I mean, that's higher than... But, uh, With $20 million guaranteed. That, make, uh, that doesn't make any sense, That's, that's what I mean. I know, that's, it's just... It's, it's, when you start well, to play this out, it becomes very difficult to justify. Well, I've put him in the category anywhere between Dwayne Allen and Tyler Eifert. Really and truly, that's about the range that he probably should be paid in. He shouldn't be paid like the Jimmy Grahams and the Tra- I mean, as you mentioned, obviously with the guarantees there, whatever. But Travis Kelsey, Jordan Reed, Zach Ertz, Lanny Walker, like, I mean, he should not be in that category. Statistically speaking, he does have the numbers to back consistent production. And that's what the Vikings know they can have from him. But if you want to lower that cap hit, if you want to make this a true five-year extension, which I sometimes question why you'd want to do that, um, I don't think you, I don't. I don't think you'd want to tie yourself to him for that much money, especially when you know what you're going to get out of him. You know where his ceiling is. Um, maybe that's the reason that this whole thing is not come to fruition yet and why we're still kind of in a holding pattern with his contract. When I start to figure it out realistically how they could make it work and with the total guarantees involved and how many years it would actually have to be, not the five years, but it's actually two years type of deal. Which it probably will be. Just the, given the way that this franchise has done extensions before, that's probably the way it will be. But he's going to focus on the total guarantees. Yeah, he's gonna, and he's going to want the new money up front. And so if I sort the here on OverTheCap.com by the total guarantees, Trey Burton got $22 million. I mean, think about like Trey Burton was coming off of being a number two tight end in Philadelphia and got 22 million guarantee. That's the same as Jordan Reed and very close to Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz, who are around 20 million guaranteed. I can't see Kyle Rudolph, who got 18, 18 million in 2000, on his last one. That was 14, right? When he re- signed the first deal. Uh, yes. The, yeah. Or at least in that ballpark. I think, yeah, I think so. Cause he was, would have been coming off of a good year, I think. Okay. I mean, I'll, I can click it and figure it out. But he's not going to, I agree. He's with, not signing for any less than yes, $20 million exactly. guaranteed. He's, he's going to want that exact same guarantee if it truly is over five years. 2014, yes. Yeah, that's when, yeah, it was his summer extension, or March extension, excuse me. Um, I can't see him wanting to go any less than that. But. So how can you justify? I've been in the camp of keep Kyle Rudolph. But if Kyle Rudolph comes out and says, look, I'm not playing under this contract. I'll just sit. I will not pay or I will not play with no guarantees, $7.6 million. I'm not doing it. Uh, you either sign me or you trade me. 
and then he puts the Vikings in a position to play sort of chicken with him and either cave to his demands because they need another weapon for uh, Kirk Cousins or send him out for a fourth-round draft pick, which is probably the best you're going to do right now. I, I don't think the I don't think you could sign him to a contract that's worth that much at his age. He can wear all the hoodies in the world that he wants, saying that he's got a lot left, but you're 30 years old. I mean, it's just... The reality of the situation is when someone is that old at this position, you don't want to be giving them out a ton of money. And especially if it really is a five-year contract, which we don't know the specifics yet, and I guess we really won't unless it pans out, I think a trade's a better option. because You can build your capital. I mean, there were there were times where it was talked about um, potentially a third-round pick for Kyle Rudolph, which even I thought was a little rich. Um, and I like Kyle Rudolph, the player. I don't, I think he's an average tight end, but I think he is critical to the success of what they're going to do here because you're not going to put all of that on a rookie tight end and expect him to excel as much as, you know, the, the expectations are out there in his first year. If, unless you have Kyle Rudolph on the other side. So I can see them giving into his demands to a degree, but to that dollar sign, that that dollar figure of you know eighteen point five or more, I just can't. I, I it's not a smart football move. It's not a smart financial move whatsoever. Okay, I want to figure this out because you said he's an average tight end. I, I want to figure out where we think he actually ranks. I think that will help with the money. So I'm going to call up everybody who had lots of catches last year because this is we have to go by receiving tight ends. Most of the guys who are great receivers are not unbelievable blockers. This is why Rob Gronkowski is going to go in the Hall of Fame because he was. So let's just compare these guys. I'm going to go with receivers who had either more or in the ballpark of receptions as Kyle Rudolph. And you tell me whether you'd take them over him or not. We'll try to see how many sure. we can get. Uh, Zach Ertz, yes. easy. Yes. Travis Kelsey, yes. yes. George Kittle, especially with age, mm-hmm. yes. If we want to just go ahead and skip the good, like the, the top five. But the that's th- that's kind of it. For those three are like the elite in the NFL. Is there anybody else now that Gronkowski's gone? So there's three. There's, yeah. Austin Hooper had I would put O.J. Howard over him. Oh, I will get to O.J. Howard. Really? He only had 34 catches last year. I would. I think he's a better tight end. He's. I think he's more talented. I'm not, I'm not sure that it, he hasn't really proven much yet. So we got three right there. Austin Hooper's not better than him. He had 71 catches. Jared Cook's not better. It's about the same. Eric Ebron's going to have to do it for more than one year, right? I mean, Ebron yeah. was kind of a bust. In Joku, you would take. I would. Him. I would. Yes, absolutely. Uh, he was with. He's with the Browns. I would absolutely take him. Graham, you would not. Trey Burton, I might. I would because he's faster, you? younger. Jordan Reed, I would if he's healthy. So that's six. Evan Ingram, would you do that? Yes. That's seven. But but Evan is your true receiving tight end. I mean, I don't know how much, like, I mean, is he a better blocker than Kyle Rudolph? I mean, is and, water wet? I mean, there's there's a lot there's a lot that you could probably say with that. But that is the end right there of guys who are anywhere in the ballpark of Kyle Rudolph for receptions. Mm-hmm. All the rest have under 40 receptions. Even guys that you like. I like Mark Andrews. He's a pretty good young tight end. And you might like Dallas Goddard or you might like, you know, whoever else it might be. But in there's only a handful of guys here. In terms of the NFL, there's only 15 players who had over 40 catches and only seven as a receiving tight end that we would clearly take over him if we're not factoring in potential. And it might be a stretch even to say someone like Trey Burton, who's done it for one year. That's going to be his argument, and I think that's totally reasonable for some other team, but not a team that is in such a cap crunch. Yeah. And they, it's just, it's a hard, 
it's a hard sell to want to pay him that type of money. It, yes, he does have the numbers. He does have consistent production to back it up. And I do think that Stefanski knows what his limitations are and just kind of where to be able to take his game to get the most out of him. It is critical to keep him here. But if you're talking if you're talking the type of guarantees that we're speculating he might want just based off what he got before, I don't think it's financially sound. A player at that age to keep him uh, for for five years and to be on the hook for potentially upwards of twenty million guaranteed up front. I mean, yeah, you can finagle things with the cap, but you're still keeping around a player that you know is getting older and and will eventually be on the other side of thirty and not and you know that's not the place that any tight end you know by and large wants to be, just given how production will dip. So what did you? observe about the other tight ends during OTAs so far? I observe that Tyler Conklin is much faster than I thought he was. Like, really fast. Um, that was that was a surprise to me today, watching him run some routes. Um, he got some first team. They did some two tight end sets in the red zone, um, kind of mixing in Irv Smith, Kyle Rudolph, and then a little bit of Tyler Conklin in that uh, Smith spot. Because mm-hmm. uh, obviously David Morgan is still, I don't know if we know what the injury is. I mean, he had the knee injury last year, but he's not participating in OTAs right so now. He said it relates to the knee injury, yeah. but it's not serious. Okay, that's fair. Um, I mean, Conklin is somebody I'm going to keep my eye on potentially f- to contend for that number three tight end spot. And maybe it is a little bit early just because we haven't seen David Morgan in camp, but we all know David Morgan is not very fast. Right. He's a very, very good run-blocking tight end. That is that is his ceiling. That is what he is really good at. He does one or two things very, very well. That's one of them. Um, but in terms of, you know, how else they can create these, you know, mismatches that they talk about so often in, in bolstering things around Irv Smith to make it easier for him to get open – I think you're going to want somebody like Tyler Conklin because that route running is impressive. So when we come back, uh, a brief conversation with Adam Thielen today out at OTAs that I was a part of and asked him a few questions about the new offense. But also I want to take a look at the past and Gary Kubiak, his offenses, and what they have required of the tight end. We've talked a lot about how much they need. Kyle Rudolph, the two tight ends. Well, let's take a quick look back when we return at what tight ends have done in Gary Kubiak's offense. We are listening to Purple Daily. If you have any questions, feel free to chime in. 651-646-8255 from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We will be right back here on Score North. Uh, uh, The thing that Steven did when he he played last year was uh, he made a lot of plays. Uh, He's improved in a lot of areas. Um, I anticipate that he'll have a much larger role for us this year as we continue to go forward. Um, you know, he, he continues to get better every day. He feels much more, you can just see he's much more confident in everything that he's doing. All right, back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin, Jonathan Harrison producing. Hour number two, Rami Makalov will be in along with Courtney, and we will go around the league with Hot Routes. Do you like how I branded it earlier? With a Z? Yeah, I just think it's cute. It, it, you know what I like about the Z is it kind of looks like a route. Yeah. You know? Like, it, like you go five yards, you cut, spin, go upfield. It's like a sluggo. The Z receiver. Yeah, Z receiver. Yeah, right. that's, yeah. that's the, why I did it. That's the Z is it. very football, for sure. I um, thought it was kind of cute. I was trying to figure out... Take you down a notch. In the break, um, 
what percentage of passes go toward uh, Kyle Rudolph in last year's offense. It's around 14% winning Kyle Rudolph's direction. And when um, I was poking around looking for information on Gary Kubiak's offense in the past, I ran across an article from Mile High Report, which is SB Nation, that broke down every single year percentage of passes that went to receivers, percentage that went to running backs, percentage that went to tight ends, percentage that went to fullbacks. All right. Now, one thing we know is that uh, from this is the fullbacks have always gotten uh, passes their way in Gary Kubiak's office. Which is why we saw a whole ton of C.J. Ham today, especially on the play action. The hammer is going to be a big part of this offense, I think. But the average for a Kubiak offense for all the years that he has been an offensive coordinator or head coach was 23% of the total targets were going toward tight ends, 55 toward wide receivers, 15 toward running backs, and another 7 toward fullbacks. So I guess you would put that as 23 toward the backfield, 23 toward the tight ends. So it's spread out mm-hmm. quite a bit here. And I think 23% is a pretty decent-sized chunk of the offense going toward tight ends. And I remember even when he was in... Uh, Baltimore, that the original plan was to run a lot of two tight ends, and then one of them, it might have been Dennis Pitta, got hurt. Uh, Owen Daniels followed Gary Kubiak everywhere, everywhere yeah. uh, in his career. Followed him to a Super Bowl. I do think that it's a very important position in this offense. I do too. And I think that when you go back and look at his history, as I just, as you mentioned with Owen Daniels, like what he did the year that Vernon Davis was he traded there, like, you know, three or four games into the season, the year that they won the Super Bowl. The two tight end sets and just how how much that helped Peyton Manning at that part of his career and, you know, the mismatches that that created and really, you know, bringing out the best in Owen Daniels, both in Houston and in Denver. I'm very eager to see what he can do here with the tight end usage in Minneapolis. But um, when you go back to look at like what the Vikings did last year, they're just they just didn't use a whole ton of 12 personnel. I mean, somewhat. They ran at 20%, if you want to call that um, a lot, or maybe what you would expect. Um, that, I think that's going to be really critical to, you know, when the, you bring up the argument of why you want to keep Kyle Rudolph around, it's for it's for things like this, because Kirk Cousins had 120.8 passer rating. It's really, really good when they were using 12 personnel. 8.2 air yards uh, per attempt, six touchdowns to one interception. A lot of that's being able to use the play action, exactly. which is what Gary Kubiak wants to do. And, you know, and out of that, too, I mean, they're averaging over four yards a rush and 102 attempts and three touchdowns. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's really good in the red zone. I think that when you are able to have these heavier personnel groupings, it allows you to do that. My thing is, can you have that same success if you don't have Kyle Rudolph around? So I'm looking at Owen Daniels' career, which, as one does, right? And, you know, going back to that year where he was in Denver, it's kind of interesting because they had a similar situation to a Thielen Diggs type of setup and nobody else. So they had Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and Owen Daniels. The next most catches by anyone, and I know that this was not Peyton Manning's best year as a quarterback, but the next highest receptions was C.J. Anderson with 25 and they were throwing to Ronnie Hillman, too, who briefly played for the Vikings. The number three wide receiver that year was Jordan Norwood with 22 receptions. And then they mixed in Virgil Green. I don't know if you remember him. He was like a yeah. blocking tight end. Um, other guys that you don't even know about. Uh, well, anything what about, were Vernon like, Davis's stats that year? So Vernon Davis played nine games and had 20 receptions. 
for them. Okay. And I mean, that's a for a guy who comes in and plays. Yeah, he got there like halfway games, throughout the season. Right. He was a contributor, and you're exactly right that they used two tight end sets. But in terms of the wide receiver three, I found this to be interesting that it's a big topic for us uh, in the offseason. And a lot of times the third wide receiver in Kubiak's offense did not do a whole lot. And this would speak to the value of Kyle Rudolph. Listen to some of these numbers. The last four Gary Kubiak offense, five Gary Kubiak offenses. Here were the number three wide receivers. Uh, Jacoby Jones, 31 catches. Keyshawn Martin, 10 Keyshawn Martin, 22. Marlon Brown, I've never heard of, 24. And then Jordan Norwood, 22. I can't actually find a big season by a number three wide receiver. Do you remember Ashley Lalee at all? He was like in the early 2000s. I do not. There's no reason to. <laughs> if you didn't play Madden, then there's no reason to. For some reason, he was good on Madden. Um, but these these are names that I've never even heard of. Kevin Walter, I remember a little bit. I mean, going back, the most I can find for catches for a wide receiver three is one year Jacoby Jones had 51 catches. That's the only one over 40. I wonder if we've overstated the wide receiver three battle. Well, can't you kind of infer that it's the same type of thing here in Minnesota, which it's been the story that's played out the last few years. They've never really been able to establish a true number three. And they haven't necessarily, I mean, yes, they've needed it, but it hasn't been make or break to the offense. I mean, when you have somebody like Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, you're not, the target share is just not going to be there for a number three when you have two very, very good receivers um, taking up the bulk of that. But the one thing you do mention with C.J. Anderson, I mean, Gary, he owes Gary Kubiak his career um, just for how he, you know, made him into what he was in Denver. Do you think then we could infer that Dalvin Cook's going to follow that same type of path and maybe he'll eventually, you know, it, it, they've they've talked for so long about contr- getting him to contribute in the passing game, and we we did see a little bit of it today at OTAs. Maybe that's something when you look at the wide receiver three battle um, of true. I mean, not true receivers, but of just you know guys who are going to be taking on those numbers. I think I see a bunch of Jarius Wright type of players here. Yeah. Don't you like what did Jerry Spray have in 2017? 17 catches and 13 of them were big or something. Yeah, and like most of them were on third down. Yeah, and, and they got first downs, and he was a significant player without racking up a ton of catches. I could see Chad Beebe, Dylan Mitchell, a couple different guys here, Jordan Taylor, all get 15 to 20 catches and not have a true number three wide receiver if Kyle Rudolph stays. If he doesn't, then I've got more questions. Well, let's talk number three receiver then. Because Mike Zimmer today, I mean, it's still so early that he's not going to point out anybody who's, you know, leading the battle or anything. I think I wrote it down. He said He said Isaac Frickty two years ago that I picked him <laughs> that I picked him for Mr. Mankato and was absurdly wrong. So Yeah. Be careful on that. I I, I will. I mean, he said yeah, he said that no one no one separated themselves. Mm-hmm. He did mention the two draft picks, BC Johnson and Dylan Mitchell. Um I think Jordan Taylor, just given what we saw today and with Stephon Diggs' absence, has a pretty good shot for that number three job. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a lot. Like, I don't know what people are expecting, your number three receiver. I mean, it's not going to be split up 33% of the way between Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, and receiver number three. But if you can carve out that role, maybe it's in the red zone, maybe it's as the vertical threat that they just have not been able to have. You know, that would be a really nice thing, I think, with, um, you know, I mean, Dylan Mitchell and B.C. Johnson. That was those were the two the two things that stood out the most from their uh, college college tape 
they're you know true vertical threats. They can they're fast. They they can get down the field quickly, and that's what Kirk needs somebody over the middle. Um, maybe that's the role for that position because we we truly don't know what they want out of the number three. They've never really said. We can infer from what Kirk had before if they are trying to like build this like the 2016 Washington Redskins. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did have that. He had a lot of different weapons, and everybody kind of had their own role, and he had a number three receiver. So I was just looking at 2016 Washington, and the number three receiver there was actually Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. He, you wouldn't call him wide receiver but three. He, but he was, also, he, was, he was their deep threat. Yeah, yeah you would say Jamison Crowder because, what, he's in the slot. And like, he had 67. So they had 79, 67, and 56 with those three. And Jordan Reed had 66 catches that season at the tight end position. And then Vernon Davis added 44 more. That would be ideal. And if they had redone the offseason, I, I did the piece on our website about alternative reality offseasons. I would have looked for a guy who could give you this, where they could have... 70 catches for two guys, 80 catches for two guys, and then you end up with the other two, the tight end and the wide receiver three, with somewhere in the 60s or 50s. That just doesn't look like what we're going to have on our hands unless someone really emerges. Yeah, and I think that there's still obviously a ton of time. I just need need someone to tell me what they want out of that position because they really have never said it. And, and Kirk has never said, you know, what he wants. I mean, what, what more does he need besides a middle of the field threat? I mean, that's, that's an obvious one, but Irv Smith can be that guy for you. So maybe he emerges in the mix for the number three receiver. Yes, he is a tight end, but just in terms of overall catches and uh, in yards, I wouldn't put it, if Kyle Rudolph's here, I wouldn't put it past that maybe he's in that mix too. Okay, I'll bring you what Adam Thielen had to say about the young wide receivers and the Gary Kubiak offense. Also, Adrian Peterson is at it again. We will do that. And then Hot Routes, when we return, you are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.